For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, your guide to the ever-changing world of social media. On today's show, we're going to explore new Facebook ads data, topic exclusion controls, audience network changes, account quality dashboard, and more with Amanda Bond. If you want to understand how to benefit from these Facebook ad changes, then stick around. I'm Michael Stelzer, and this is the Social Media Marketing Talk Show. If you want to go deeper, check out the Social Media Marketing Workshops, where you'll get in-depth online training in organic and paid marketing on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. You can check it out by visiting socialmediaexaminer.com slash WS21. And now for this week's expert guest. Bond is a Facebook ads expert and creator of the strategy system, helping course creators automate their Facebook ads. Welcome to the show, Bond. Thank you so much for having me back. Super awesome to have you today. So let's start with some statistics. Facebook recently revealed some interesting data in their earnings call about how many people are using Facebook and so on and so forth. So give us the lowdown. Yeah. I mean, looking at these metrics, I I feel like some of them are to be expected. I mean, we're in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. People are on Facebook. The daily active users overall reached 1.84 billion. It's up 11%, which is just an astronomical number. Doing the math, what does that mean? About a just over a quarter, no, almost a third of the population is on Facebook every single day. That's crazy. Wait, hold on a second. 1.84 billion people every single day. Mm-hmm. That's a lot mm-hmm. of countries, right? It's I a mean- lot. And then if you take into account their, their other platforms, if we put WhatsApp on there as well, it's up to 2.6 billion people on Facebook. So when you think of that and you think, especially from a Facebook advertising standpoint, about getting in front of the humans that you want to transact with all over the world, Facebook is still just this amazing opportunity just out there. You know, sometimes there's people that that are all doom and gloom about the platform, but from a marketing standpoint, it's still crazy active. However, fascinating stat is in United States and Canada, it's actually on the decline. So there was a million less daily active users in the North American market in the last little while. Why do you think that might be? I mean, if I look at my own experience and my own interaction with the platform, I am starting to reduce my time spent on the platform to be more mindful of how I'm interacting with things on the daily basis for my mental health, just staying off the platform. It's really an active choice that I'm making. So if I see that on the micro level right here, that's maybe one of the things that's happening at the macro level. Anything that you would see on the flip side? Well, yeah, I do think that 
there's a lot of new platforms popping up, right? We've got, for example, you know, we've got things like Clubhouse. We've got TikTok. things like TikTok. And you've also, when you're the biggest player in town, you're going to have a lot of little guys that are going to nip at kind of the low hanging opportunity, right? Yeah. For example, you probably have younger people who are not going to be as active on Facebook, right? They'll probably be far more active on other platforms. And there is kind of a move, like, because we've been in a political season, a lot of people have decided they're just going to leave Facebook for a little while because they don't want to see all that political ridiculousness, right? But the fact that it only declined a million is probably not that big of a deal because I would imagine it's got to be massively huge nonetheless, right? Yeah. Don't I mean, you- think of our population size between the two countries. It's it's a fraction of a percent of people leaving the platform. So I, I almost feel it was stated in those terms to over-exaggerate the claim of it because right. a million people declining as daily active users now, who knows, they might come back on the platform or they might be using Instagram. They might be using other tools in the future. So I I don't look at that metric as something that we should be concerned with, especially since just the growth of the platform is up 11% overall. So that's just one market segment there. A fascinating thing was, even though there was only 11% growth overall in terms of daily active users. By the way, that's a big number for how big that is, right? 11% growth on billion plus people is a big, big amount of growth, right? A big amount of growth. Like what is it? What is 11% on a... 11% 11% on a thousand yeah. people, no yeah. million people, 11% on a million people. Yeah, you're right. It would be 110,000. Now you take it up to billion plus. That's a lot of yeah. people, but anyways, that keep going. A lot of people. So where were you? Yeah. Tell us about the ad revenue side of it. Yeah. So just with the 11% growth, you'd think that ad revenue would be similar, but ad revenue was 28.1 billion, which is up 33%. That's an, a third growth this last quarter. So I look at that and it's like, sure, in North America, the people who are daily active users might be spending less time on the platform, but the people who are on the platform are actually spending more time there because the ad inventory is up in accordance to the revenue figures that they're putting here. So, you know, Facebook claimed that they had a strong holiday shopping season. There's that continued shift to putting commerce online so that it be it remains or even becomes accessible throughout this entire pandemic. Right. Looking at those numbers, everything makes sense for, for the 2020 that we just had. Yeah. I mean, and you think about all these uh, local businesses that have had to maybe rely on Facebook to let people know they're opening back up, for example, right? So that makes a lot of sense. But the fact that their revenue was up 33% makes me believe that the cost for the ads have gone up, don't you think? Because there's a limited amount of inventory. Right. So here's here's a fascinating correlation. So the revenue is up 33%, but the ad impressions are only up 25%. So like you said, there's that little gap there, which means that the average price of ads increased 5% over the last quarter. So that means you're going to see more expensive CPMs. If you're not familiar with CPM, the cost to deliver a thousand impressions, it's just getting a little bit more expensive, even though there's a much more inventory you know, I, I kind of think of that and I look at the logistics of it and I'm like, wait a minute, if you have more people, I don't know, actually, I, I didn't see any reference to how many new advertisers are coming on the platform there. So I don't know how much more demand there was during that time. You know what I mean? Here's my take on it. 
first of all, if ad impressions increase 25%, that means that they had to serve up more ads, right? Mm -hmm. Which means you're going to, you were probably noticing more ads on Instagram and Facebook than you have in the past, which means the number of ads to organic content must have increased because if the, that's the only way they're going to make more money because they have a limited amount of inventory is to increase the frequency of ads. Right. Yeah. And that could lead to some people wanting to leave the platform because they're seeing more ads because there is no other way to explain it. If the revenue went up a third, that means that there was great, there was a lot of demand for ads. Right. And if the only way they could meet that demand is increasing their ad frequency, and if the price only went up 5%, I mean, is this what you found with yourself and your clients that ad cri- prices didn't really creep up very much last year? I mean, not compared to the year before. If you go back to Black Friday of 2019, the CPMs of that year were usually their two-digit CPMs. They were into three-digit CPMs that year, but we didn't see that this year because of the increase in inventory. Right. So had the inventory stayed the exact same with this amount of advertising coming onto the platform, we would have saw a repeat of 2019. But because there was more inventory with people spending more time on the platform, that really kept those CPMs... I mean, 5% really isn't that much at the end of the day. If your right. CPM... on top of that is going to be a $21 CPM. So it's not a a crazy difference versus a $20 CPM going to an $80 CPM at uh, previous peaks before this. They also said that the the cost per ads for Instagram stories was on the rise. So that must mean that you're seeing more advertisers beginning to put placements into stories. Is that what you're seeing as well? I mean, are you telling people to get, I mean, there's been a lot of inventory for a while on stories, right? I, I, I guess that's starting to fill up. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're just seeing advertisers adapt, right? right like right. every year, advertisers are going to try new placements. Even this morning, I was reviewing some previous data about right-hand column ads and audience network ads. And it was fascinating because the CPM is a fraction of what it is in the news feed. And so I was looking at the click-through rates. I was looking at the cost per result in terms of every single conversion through our sales process. And Sure, you might not get as many clicks, right? You might not get as high of a click-through rate on a right-hand column placement, but the reduced cost of those CPMs essentially cancel out in the back end and make it just as valuable real estate as the news feed at the end of the day. So I was looking at that and I was actually thinking about changing my strategy up a little bit. And I was like, oh, we got to get some more right-hand column specific content out there because there's inventory there. People are working from home. People are on Facebook more. So why wouldn't I take advantage of those cheaper impressions at the end of the day? Because I know that my sales process backs out on the other side of that. So we're going to transition here to talk a little bit about topics and topic exclusion controls. Can you tell us what this is all, what this news is all about? Sure. I'll tell it by starting with a story. So one time I recall reading uh, an article and it was one of those articles that I had no business reading. I was just clicking through and some clickbait spammy thing caught my eye and I'm going through this article and I saw a friend's ad in the article and I ended up screenshotting it because it was so out of place. I'm like, okay, what you're advertising and what I'm reading right now are vastly different things. So I think of that experience. And then I read that Facebook is starting to test a new control, not when you click off of their site, but directly in the newsfeed for you to be able as an advertiser to say, don't show my content between X 
or why. And so they're still in testing. They're going to be working on this for the next year. We don't have that much information on it right now. However, the example that they gave was if you are a toy company, you wouldn't want your product presented beside sensational posts that were about crime or tragedy. So that's just one example of the different exclusion controls that they're experimenting with. So let's see if they roll it out to all of us. So I guess the question I have is normally when I think of Facebook ads, I'm thinking about them in the feed. So in what placements would they need exclusion controls? Help me understand that a little bit. Do you understand where I'm going with that? Yeah. Well, this is in the feed right now. So this is in the news feed. They would actually be analyzing the content that you see above an ad and below the ad. So you don't need to go off the platform. They already have some uh, audience controls for the audience network built in. So they're not concerned about that. What they're wanting to preserve is the integrity of the user experience on the platform by giving brands control to say, hey, don't like this is not suitable for my brand to show up beside this type of sensational content. And like I said, they haven't rolled out what all of those possible exclusions are. But as an advertiser, I look at that and I was like, okay, that could make complete sense because a person's going to be in a particular state of mind if they're scrolling by some sensational content. And then the next thing that they see is your product-based ad, they're, they're likely not going to be in the state of mind to click that next ad. So if we can have a little bit more control over that, I mean, control always comes with a little bit higher CPM because there's less inventory. Right. It's going to be great for the advertisers, great for the user experience at the end of the day. Yeah. And, you know, Google has offered this for a long time, right? Because the Google display network, for example, or YouTube in both cases, right? They're showing your ad either literally inside of a video or inside of an article. And obviously there are some websites you just don't want your ads to show up on because it's just not going to look good, you know? Right. And And I would like from a brand integrity standpoint. Yeah. And I would imagine even with Facebook, don't they have video placements? Can't you put placements inside of some videos? So I would imagine that's where that could come in handy, right? Yeah. And I'm sure that there's all sorts of placements that we just don't realize when we put Facebook on autopilot and we just don't want to be affiliated with those at all. Exactly. And, and when you set it up, you don't think about it until your friend is screenshotting you on a website that is not congruent with your brand at all and sending it and being like, hi, do you know? I can't even remember what the website was. Like it was just some like DIY something that had nothing to do with their marketing brand. And, and I was just like, this is not congruent with the brand integrity that you're, you're trying to have here. So Facebook audience network um, has had some changes. First of all, for those that don't know what it is, explain what it is and then tell us a little bit about what's changing. Perfect. So audience network years ago, Facebook was like, well, there's only a certain amount of people scrolling our newsfeed because at that time there hadn't been a pandemic to shoot up those daily active users. And so what they started doing is looking for different ways to get ad inventory by placing your ads that you create through the Facebook platform on other networks. So that's what the audience network is. It's other websites that say, hey, I would like to get paid for placing my ad or placing an ad for Facebook on this site. And that's how they're monetized so that Facebook has more inventory to share with their advertisers. And so your ad appears on a site that's not Facebook, but you buy that ad through Facebook. 
Is the audience network part of the default placements or do you have to turn that on when you're setting up an ad? So it is part of the default placements, which I I just hate that option because I don't know if I'm a, a Facebook advertising purist, but I believe each placement on Facebook should have different creative. Like I am not the person that believes you just share something from one platform to the other. You create a user experience for the specific placement that you're trying to do. So a story is going to look different than a right-hand column. A right-hand column is going to look different than an Instagram feed. An Instagram feed is going to look different than a messenger inbox carousel at the end of the day. So I'm always customizing things based on that placement and will never run an ad that just says all placement. Whenever I'm setting it up, I, I specifically choose where that ad is. But yes, it's a feature that just automatically gets ticked because it's less prime real estate over on that audience network. So what's the change that's coming to the audience network? So it it piggybacks off the changes that are already happening with iOS. And essentially, it's a change in how you buy those ads. So previously, you would place an ad on the audience network and Facebook would take into account a plethora of things, your budget, the schedule, the content of the ad, who you're trying to target, what the ad looks like, says, links to. There's so many factors that go into what would determine your CPM. And so those metrics would be entered into the Facebook auction. And then you would be placed in a priority order based on that. So you had no control over it. You were just going to go in there and, and let the algorithm place you where they had inventory. Now, you did have the option before to make some bidding requests to say like, here's how much I'm going to bid on a CPM, like slot me into the inventory at these levels. With the iOS changes, with the inability to track people if they've opted out of the device ID, what Facebook is now saying is we're going to move away from that what they call waterfall auction and more over to the manual bidding. So I look at that as advertisers have more control to determine the CPM that they want to pay to be over on, on the audience network, to be over on these other blogs. The detriment to that, though, is that certain advertisers are going to want to pay more than you and they're going to bump you out of that priority. So basically, it's the like whoever wants to pay the most is going to win in audience network in the coming months. So this is partly due to the iOS 14 privacy update, which is a big thing that we're not going to get into today. But I'm curious what your thoughts are because of... Apple's iOS, you know, and most people that don't know what we're talking about, basically with the new update, you can just push a button and all of a sudden you're not going to be able to be tracked anymore as a consumer, which as a privacy advocate, I think that's a good thing. And most people are going to probably say, I don't want this thing tracking me. But it begs a bigger question, like, is this the beginning of an era where remarketing in the traditional sense, right? People that went to my website took an action and abandoned the cart, for example, is that, are the days of that kind of slowly coming to an end in your opinion? Yeah. In a traditional sense, 
Yes. And I remember the very first day that I realized how you could place that Facebook pixel onto a page of your website. And then if somebody visited it, you could say, hey, Facebook, go serve an ad up to this person. I remember how much it just exploded my mind. Yes. If a large majority of people are opting out of being able to be tracked on different devices, you know, it's happening with Apple right now. There's been whispers and rumors that it's going to continue to happen with Android. The traditional way of retargeting is going to be massively affected. Here's why I'm not crying sheep, crying sheep, crying wolf at this (laughs) experience. Why you're not freaking out. That's why I'm not freaking out because there's so many different ways to engage with audience members to get them into alternative custom audiences so that you can serve up ads to them in sequence. I mean, the easiest way to do that is using video view audiences. If somebody watches at least three seconds of a video, you can then say to Facebook, hey, the person who watched this video over here for three seconds, show them the next video. So you can create that same retargeting sequentialness. I don't even know if that's a word, but sequentialness to it using video ads. So that's one way to do it. Well, let me say something. This is the fascinating quandary, right? This actually only makes Facebook more powerful. Let's be. Tell me. Because the truth is that you have to pay Facebook to put the video. You have to put the video on their platform and then you have to pay them to reshow other messages, right? Where, where in the past you could have it all be on your website, right? Yep. So now everything lives on the platform, right? So the days of like having stuff happen off the platform, it's becoming a more walled garden, if you will. And yeah. the, the taller those walls get, the more powerful Facebook gets. Same thing with Google, right? Because if you want to do this kind of activity, well, guess what? you're going to have to do the whole damn transaction on our platform, right? Because you won't be able to know who abandoned the cart unless you actually use shopping on Facebook or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So all it does is require us to be more dependent on Facebook. Yeah. And I believe personally that the days of remarketing are coming to an end in the traditional sense. Platform remarketing will always be there. They do an action on the platform, you can market to them. But off-platform remarketing is not going to be as easy. Right. And it's not going to be as easy without actual server data. And that's going to make our job as marketers harder. But I look at it this way. There was a day before there was remarketing and we were fine. And there will be days after remarketing. We'll just have to develop new strategies. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I I mean, even as you were saying that, I was thinking to myself, well, the CRM that I use, it allows me to place a code on my website that if they're already a lead, I can see that they went to that page and then I can use a third party tool to send that information through a third party app back to Facebook. So it's like I'm seeing workarounds around it. Yeah. And that's true. As long as you're collecting their email address. Email. Yeah. And as long as that is firing uh, in a way that's not being blocked. Right. Correct. And it's a fascinating distraction from the core message today, but marketers pay attention. Our job is going to get a little more challenging because most of us are in the business of taking people off of Facebook. That's Mm. the reason why we do what we do, right? We try to get them to become a lead. We try to get them to a sales page. 
Um, so we're going to have to rethink some of those strategies and maybe Bond, you'll come on in the future and we can talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. I mean, I love it because my entire framework and methodology keeps people engaged on the platform right. so that by the time you ask them to become a lead or subscribe to your email list or purchase something, they're already evangelists of you on the platform that you've engaged with them the whole time. So for me, it's almost proving yeah. my thesis of Facebook advertising. And I I'm giddy because I know that it's going to derail other people's strategies if they're still stuck in the old way of thinking and not looking at it, like you said, as this new opportunity to figure out different ways to engage with people on the platform. So absolutely, I'm amped. <laughs> right. And for someone who is all in on Facebook, it makes complete sense. Yeah. So let's talk about this quality dashboard, this account quality dashboard, because I know you're kind of excited about this. First of all, what the heck is it? And why, why are you so excited about it? Is this weird that a thing about your account quality is something that I'm amped up about? Probably not, because actually one of our uh, most popular YouTube videos on the social media examiner uh, YouTube channel is the fact that Facebook ad accounts get banned all the time. And I'm a big proponent of believing that you create that outcome. Because if you believe that you create that outcome, you can take accountability and make changes to that outcome so that you don't get banned in the future. So all of that to say, Facebook launched another tool that can help us see the health of our ad account of our Facebook page at any given time. It could see which ads might be flagged, give you a little bit more information because you know how many people complain about the process of getting in touch with support. Well, and let's, let's be clear that like they don't typically provide you very much information at all, right? At all. At all. And it's just usually a reference to the Facebook advertising guidelines, which if you're an advertiser and you haven't read those, you need to get intimately familiar with those because that is your responsibility to abide by those. If you're not abiding by the Facebook advertising guidelines, your account will get shut down. We've seen it in this past year that they are just cracking down on so many infractions. So why not be proactive? And this new audience or this new account quality in the dashboard is literally allowing you to go pinpoint any problematic issues with your Facebook page, with your accounts, anything that's happening behind the scenes, Facebook is now starting to give you more information. And I've been using it with so many people to go look deeper. Hey, Bond, my account's been shut down. Perfect. Let's go look at what actually happened so that you can have a conversation when you can get through on the chat support line and get it resolved. And the more people come to the table. Where do we find the dashboard? It's just in your ad account. So when you go into your ad account inside of Business Manager, in the menu, it's right there. So what should we be looking for? Because I, I get the sense this can allow us to get a little ahead of problems, right? Is that the objective here? Exactly. So basically, when you log into it, you're going to know right away if there's anything flagged because they, they do a lovely UX job of lighting it up red. If there's no issues, you're all clear. There'll be some green lights everywhere. And then there's opportunities. Like I just did this recently with my Facebook page quality. So I went from the ads manager quality dashboard over to my Facebook page. Your Facebook page also has a quality dashboard attached to the page level. And I went over there and said, hey, I don't sell a physical product. So now when I advertise, Facebook knows not to expect my page 
to be advertising a physical product that ships to somebody. So I was like, that's proactive because I sell digital products. So why wouldn't I check that off ahead of time just to be proactive? Perfect. Is there any other news, by the way, that we didn't mention? Yeah, there's one more and I absolutely love it. It's almost as if, and tell me if you have this in the States because it might be a Canadian thing. Facebook launched what I'm referring to as their version of Auto Trader. Do you guys have Auto Trader in the States? Yeah, you talking about that little magazine or whatever? Yeah. The little magazine where you would buy cars. Yeah. Facebook, because there's people looking for new ways to create commerce online has now created the ability for auto dealers to create catalogs and list cars directly on their Facebook page. And it looks literally like auto trader and I'm loving it right now. Huh? Okay. So that's fascinating. Now, have they done this for other kinds of businesses as well that you're aware of, or do you think this is, they're just starting with cars because there's so much money at play here? I mean, there's there's things that you're seeing that they're they're doing over on Instagram to try and encourage commerce just in general. But the vehicles on Facebook Marketplace, or it's not even Facebook Marketplace, it's on the pages directly. They're really adding in cool features that you would see on something like an auto trader website, like sorting by price or huh. sorting by make and model, sorting by mileage. So it's actually a really specific functionality currently for the the auto manufacturing industry. And I guess the resale as well. Facebook is trying to boil the ocean, I think. Mm. And think about it, right? So it's getting harder to remarket, right? Because these privacy things and they're developing tools and they're saying, hey, business, just put your whole thing up on Facebook. Yeah. You don't need a website. We'll do it all for you. They actually said that in their earnings call. Did you catch that one? No, no. They literally said that. They're very uh, upfront about the fact that they really want to create the next internet. So they were talking a little bit about how every, I can't remember the exact time cycle, every like 15 years, a new cycle develops, right? It was originally the, the dot com and then it switched to mobile. And so Facebook's all about spearing it to the next version, which they're using augmented reality. Huh. But I also feel like in the back, they just want to take over and, and have the entire internet be Facebook. Of course. In some countries, it performs that way. Of course. Bond, uh, tell everybody where they can discover you and all the great stuff you've got going on. You can come over to my Facebook page. If you engage with one of the or one of our posts, I'll of course retarget you over there on the platform. So you can find that at facebook.com forward slash the ad strategist. Awesome. And folks, don't forget to check out social media marketing workshops coming up, uh, socialmediaexaminer.com slash WS21, where you can get uh, organic and paid marketing training across all the major po- platforms. And if you want to add another podcast to your listening lineup, subscribe to my social media marketing podcast, which comes out every Thursday. Until next time, be wise with your marketing decisions. And Bon, thanks again for coming on the show. We'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. The Social Media Marketing Talk Show is a Social Media Examiner production. For more social media insight, visit socialmediaexaminer.com. If you're like so many fellow marketers and creators and entrepreneurs, you're probably wondering, how do I put AI to work? Well, be sure to listen to the AI Explored podcast, a new show from Social Media Examiner, hosted by yours truly, Michael Stelzner. Again, check out the AI Explored podcast.